Welcome to Radio Plasma, space dedicated to the exchange of ideas, conversations, stories, music, performances, and randomness. Listen at radioplasma.com. Also, we are on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, TuneIn, and Stitcher. I'm your producer and host, Johan Rashivega, and I want to welcome Marcos Marrero. And today we're going to talk about the Valley Vike program that is already up and running. And Marcos, welcome back to the studio. Great to have you here. How are you doing, Johan? Thanks for having me. So this program is active and we have seen already the bikes running around the city. It is really great and, and exciting to see that. We had a previous conversation in Northampton to talk about the overall of the program, but we wanted to have this follow-up with you to talk about the program in Holyoke, about the stations, about the plans, about how it has been working so far now that is around the first month mm -hmm. of operations. So what can you tell us a little bit about the Bali Bike Program? So I take a step back to provide some context for the program. This is one of the measures that we've been pursuing to provide better uh, amenities for interconnectedness of transportation within and connecting uh, Holyoke with, with other cities. Uh, of course, we've been uh, working over the past several years on improving uh, roadway infrastructure, making complete streets. That means that there's amenities not just for vehicles, but also for pedestrians and for bicycles, having bicycle ways and planning for that. Uh, we now have uh, rail interconnectivity for the first time in decades. And so Valley Bike Share comes in to Holyoke in that context. We partnered with Northampton, as you mentioned before, uh, but also with Springfield and South Hadley and Amherst and UMass to have enough scale to have one of these programs. You know, usually you see big cities with these programs, Boston, New York City, Baltimore. Any one of us by ourselves are probably too small to have an effective program like this. Uh, but we uh, coordinate in order to have enough, enough scale so that it could function and be sustainable over the long term. Um, so we just launched the program, and of course, as, a, as any programs, there are sometimes hiccups. And in Holyoke, we actually don't have all our stations up and running yet. Uh, we have uh, three stations up and running. We're still installing the electric uh, conduits to the to these stations, and they will be active uh, within the next few weeks. We expect that by, by August, all nine stations will be installed. Um, and so the bikes will be charging at the stations. They are, of course, pedal assist, which means that there's a small electric motor. And that's very important in a city like Holyoke where we have such, um, uh, such a hilly uh, landscape um, so that uh, more people are able to, uh, to use them. You still have to pedal, but it get, makes the experience like you're pedaling on, on flat ground. So a lot of positivity around, uh, around the program thus far, and it's only going to get better as, as, we, uh, as we go through the next uh, month and we complete the installations here. So one thing that you mentioned about the stations that are charging, that's why they need to have an electrical uh, system being installed. It's not just have the docks. It actually, as the bikes are docked, they are charging because the pedal system needs to be uh, battery, battery operated, right? Correct. The, the bikes themselves uh, have, have a battery and, and they're charged. So right now what's happening is that every day the bikes are, are taking off-site and they're replaced with uh, new charged uh, bikes so that there can be at least some level of service in Holyoke as the rest of the system. We're not unique uh, in the regard that other 
cities have, have not been fully installed, but that's that's why you're not seeing all of them deployed yet. Uh, most of the bases are there yet, but the electric connection is still missing, and that's that, that'll be completed within a few weeks. When you mention cities like Boston, New York, Baltimore, I also remember last time I was back home in Mexico City seeing this program similar being applied in several areas along the city. I was really surprised to see it being implemented in a place like Mexico City where it's so active and sometimes so chaotic. Mm -hmm. And what it came to my mind is, I can definitely see this program operating in cities like Boston. So if it works in Mexico City, such a crazy place, it could work anywhere. <laughs> And I'm talking about the safety. I'm talking about places where to have it docked and charging and parked and where to circulate, but also the safety in terms of the bikes themselves to avoid having the bikes being stolen or vandalized. So with this being said, there has been comments and insinuation of this program not going to be effective in Holyoke because of that, the bikes being stolen or vandalized. What it will be one of the, the ways to explain for people who are not confident or supportive of this program to be here for that matter to actually see it in a more positive way. Sure, and I think you, you make a good point. It's it's not merely big cities throughout New England. This is really internationally. There 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 is a movement having uh, more complete ways of, of getting out and about uh, transporting yourself through cities, of course, in Mexico and Canada and, and throughout Europe and other countries. So we have uh, a deep wealth of, of knowledge and experience out there. Uh, Bill Wiegand, which is the, the program administrator, has, has a lot of experience uh, internationally about uh, how to do this. So uh, luckily, we know about the failures and what the best practices are, and that all, all feeds um, how, how the program can be run. Uh, in terms of vandalism, look, that's, that's always a risk everywhere with, with any program that, that you implement, um, but that shouldn't be what, what stops you from doing it. Um, several years ago, we did a public art installation under the Mosier Street underpass under, under the rail line, and I remember some questions that I got. is like, well, you know, how are you going to deal with vandalism? And, you know, honestly, the question at times can be even offensive. Well, what makes you think that, it's, that, it, that there is going to be vandalism? I think uh, sometimes it's driven by preconceived notions of what and where things are, are being vandalized and by who. Um, I think we, you know, it's still to be seen. I think people in this community know how to value things that are valuable to them, and I, I don't think it's a preconceived. I, I don't think it's a given that something's go going to be vandalized, and it, and it won't work. What we do see is that is that bike share, when properly deployed, can offer great value to communities uh, for folks who want an alternative form of transportation. Maybe they they uh, can't afford a car, or there's a, they're a family with only one car, and you know, sometimes you just need to get around the city and you don't need a, a large car payment to do that and this can take you to to various spots uh, within the city uh, but of course a lot of the stuff that you know you were suggesting these things are safe they're secure that can be docked uh, and it's and it's really hard to steal them they're equipped with GPS systems so I mean if anyone's thinking about it I would <laughs> suggest you don't <laughs> the system will know where the bike is but I, you know I'm, I'm very optimistic about uh, about the launch. Also, when we talk about the, the options for transportation that are sometimes, most of the times, 
one of the biggest concerns in the communities, especially in the South Holyoke area, access to certain areas because mm -hmm. lack of transportation, this could become a really powerful way of getting more comfortable access. And I'm so glad to see there is one station that is going to be located exactly in Cabot Street in the mm -hmm. South Holyoke area, which I believe is going to bring good access for the community of the South Holyoke to enjoy of the of the Valley Bike program. With this, how can people sign up to the program thinking about not having access to a credit card mm -hmm. or not having a card with a chip as usually it is the common practice when you see this type of programs that everything goes online or digital. Mm -hmm. So what are the options for accessibility for the community? Yeah. So there's going to be two kiosks for, for joining uh, the program. So physically where you can walk up and become a member and, and rent the bikes. So in, in the two areas where we believe at this point we're going to get a lot of walk-up traffic. One is in, in Veterans Park in front of the bus transportation sta uh, station. We have buses there, of course. We also have the zip cars. A lot of the same questions on whether it was going to work was that was actually asked of us at that at that time, and it's been a resounding success. Uh, so right next to the zip cars are, are the uh, is the is the kiosk along with the with the bike station? And the second one is exactly where you pointed out, um, and the Cabot Street station in, in, in Holyoke, right between Holyoke and the Flats, in front of the supermarket, because uh, supermarkets are one location where traditionally bike shares have have shown a lot of people are, are are going there, right, from another location, and so that was that was very purposeful that we located the two kiosks there. Uh, where additionally um, the, the the municipal partnership um, and Bowiegan were were actively trying to design a program where we can subsidize memberships for families of lower income. Um, there's one particular potential funder that's interested in providing uh, something like this. So we're, we're in advanced talks with them and designing the logistics around how that would work. Because access isn't only, as you know, physical access, but also having, having the monetary means for it. And once you have membership, then you have up to 45 minutes of free ride. And after 45 minutes, you can, you can dock the, the bicycle somewhere and you can, you, know, you can dip in again. You can get another bike. But the idea is that you're not just keeping the bike with you all day. Yeah, so as long as you keep utilizing it, as you expire your 45 minutes, you have to dock it uh, at any of the stations. Correct. One of the questions that I've been having. I mean, you you can you can use it for 45 minutes. Then it's just there's a charge after that. Um, but but for free, yes, it would be 45 minutes. So talking about those charges, and uh, that was actually the next question. How much it will be the cost per ride? Because I know the membership annually it is eighty dollars, mm -hmm. and that allows you, uh, like you were saying, uh, doing those trips for 45 minutes and you can keep running on as long as you dock it and unlock it one more time. But for a single rider, how much in average is uh, to utilize the bike for once in a in, once in a while or once? So I knew every I was going to get a question. I hadn't uh, I hadn't looked back into. Um, it, it will depend on how on how long you use it. But the first 45 minutes are free. So mo actually, most most travel, if you're going to do an errand, you know, could probably be done in, in that 45 minute period. Um, there are also uh, founding memberships that there. That last I checked, were still available. That for. For $90 a year, you get 60 minutes of free unlimited ride. Uh, so then after that, there's there, there's some scale after that, uh, but I, I, I don't have it in front of me. I apologize. In valleybike.com, there's the, uh, all the information, and, the, and it will be uh, clear at the kiosks as well. It is really good to hear that the options for the kiosks are 
in points that community actually are present and they will see it and they will feel it is made for the community. So that to me says so much about thinking about the community, but I want to address another of those negative perspectives that are being pointed towards this program and is the presence of the bike program as another sign of gentrification. What can you say about that? Um, I guess it depends on what someone would mean by gentrification. If, if the sense that someone has is that the bike share is somehow designed to attract hipsters to the city, um, then I would I would disagree with that uh, characterization. Um, as I was explaining before, we've we've had a purposeful intent of expanding the ability of traveling uh, into the city, but also within the city in, in multiple means of transport. And, and there's probably no greater inequ inequity in our transportation system in the United States that it, it's overly reliant on the vehicle. Vehicles are very, very expensive to own and to maintain. And so having a bike share as an alternative, having vehicle share as alternatives, these are lower barriers of entry to have uh, transportation uh, in an urban area you know, not having to maintain them, purchase them, park them, secure them, what, what may be. So in fact, I, I, I see this as a, as a means of providing another valuable amenity to people who, who live here and have lived here for, for many, many years, uh, as well as the measures that we're trying to, to take to, to provide a subsidy based on, on income eligibility. I'd also add that on the on the you pointed out that this this being something where the locations were picked in a very thoughtful way, you know people are starting to see them now. But this has been a multi-year effort, you know, studying even the viability of having something like this on a regional scale. Um, because while we were interested in it, it doesn't mean that it was going to be feasible. Um, once the feasibility was proven, we started looking at, all right, then, then how would the station locations uh, be determined? And with the point that we were discussing before, we, we have enough data of other systems that we know what, what are the characteristics of stations that work. So looking at, at density of, of places, right, where, where people live, uh, where, where people shop or go very often. That's why most of the stations are either in the downtown, which has the, the, the largest density uh, of people, you know, they're in front of shopping locations, like in front of, in, in, at the Seatown location, or in front of parks where people, you know, that's an amenity that people travel to. So that, that's what's behind that. This is part of the best practices that we think of. So, you know, just going back to their part of gentrification, I just, um, I would have to kind of understand the thinking behind it. I know it, it probably correlates in some people's minds uh, that these bikes are present in cities that have experienced gentrification, no, no doubt about that. Uh, the real estate prices in, in Manhattan are astronomical, and in Boston, they're astronomical. So many cities that have seen this, uh, Montreal, <laughs> you know, the, but they're not driven by bike share. They're driven by people's desire to live in these cities and because there's so much density, bike share has the ability to be very wildly successful there. We don't have those real estate pressures here, but we we believe very firmly that we have the scale needed to to have this alternative present for for our community. How does it feel seeing people in the community using the bikes already? That's that's amazing um, because just look with every project uh, you. 
you know, you believe firmly in it, you work very hard for it, but until, until you see someone using it, it doesn't, it doesn't, uh, that's when it affects you in a special way. Um, yeah, it's, uh, it's cathartic. Um, I, I used one uh, very recently, um, and it has a special kick to them when you start off. It was like, oh, that's that's very pleasant. You don't you don't have to um, exert that much force when you start off, and then and then it turns into a very smooth bike ride. It it makes you hopeful that even more uh, more things like what's all right. Then what's the next amenity that we can that we can provide for the community? So it's very it makes me very happy. <laughs> it's true. Uh, I also had the opportunity of utilizing them already, and. It's a totally new experience. That help of the pedal assistance system kicking in as soon as you start moving on, yeah. it really makes the ride so smooth. Going uphill, it's like there is no hill whatsoever. Mm -hmm. And I feel this is going to bring a lot of opportunities. And thinking about that, what do you think could be some ways to promote and incorporate the use of this Bali Bike Exchange Program For activities happening locally in Holyoke, right now we are in the summer, so a lot of opportunities to be outdoors and do activities, mm -hmm. and during the fall as well, with many events happening at the same time or happening uh, throughout the city. How do you see the utilization of the program now that the stations will be fully operational during the, the remaining of the summer? Uh, you know, one of the things that, that we can do with the system um, is while there are uh, docks, we actually have the ability of doing uh, dockless temporary stations. So what that means is in the, in the virtual system, we can say uh, the corner of X and Y Street, we're going to create a new station. And we can mark it up. We can mark it up with chalk, with you know, temporary paint, with uh, tape, whatever we want. You say this is a station just because there's an event there. Right? So say there's some sort of festival. We can create that, and the system knows it when you can define it because every, every bike has a GPS. So by defining it that way, when you leave the bike there, um, that it's automatically, quote unquote, docked, right? So that would be something on a, on a temporary basis. Of course, we don't do that all the time because as you, as you do a, a dockless uh, station, there's a higher risk for someone just saying, oh, a bike and, and just grabbing it with ill intent or not, just, you know, people are curious about stuff that's just hanging out on the street. But that is something that, that we can do uh, for, for particular events. And, and we welcome any event organizers um, contacting us through the city and we can, and we can make something like that happen. Because I definitely see events happening like Celebrate Holyoke, mm -hmm. uh, Taste of South Holyoke, right. and other, other events that are in the making right now during this upcoming months to have the benefit of the Bali Bike Share program to be another element to be included, to enjoy of it. Absolutely, absolutely. You're listening Radio Plasma. And we want to listen to your feedback. Let us know your thoughts, ideas, suggestions, comments, requests, people or matters that you would like to hear about in this space. You can contact us on our website, radioplasma.com, and through our social media channels, Twitter, Radio Plasma Lab, and facebook.com slash radioplasma. So the stations, actually, that's another another important thing that uh, I see the strategy of location for the stations. There is going to be one at Holy Community College, and that, I feel, is going to help a lot of students to get there back and forth. 
Yeah, you know, students are, are big users of the systems. They, they have needs of uh, commuting uh, to different classes. HEC's main campus is on the western side of Holyoke, but they now have two buildings outside of their campus, significant uh, buildings. Uh, the adult the adult education center uh, down at the at the bus train station, but also the the culinary school. So any students that are that that have to commute back and forth, they can definitely uh, use the bike share system. Uh, or they may they may just be commuting home or or to work as well. A lot of students work uh, work as well. So whether they're going inside Holyoke or to an, another one of the municipalities downtown Springfield or Northampton, whatnot, they can they can use the bike share system. And so we fully expect that the that the Holyoke station will get a lot of use. But here's the great thing: if one of the stations or some of the stations aren't working particularly well, we will have no problem admitting that it wasn't the best location. What we really want to we want to learn as the system matures, and hopefully as it grows in the years to come, and start using that feedback of usage to say, okay, this station really doesn't get any use. Maybe there's a reason for it, uh, or maybe it's just a place that doesn't have that much traffic, and so we can move them around. Maybe we need to increase the size of stations, whether it's the college or somewhere else. And so the, this, the project doesn't end just with the launch. Now we, now we get the gratification of people writing it, but then also we're, we're going to have to learn as, as it goes. Another concern from some folks in the community is how this project is, is funded. Mm-hmm. So there's capital costs, and then there's operational costs. So the capital cost is the infrastructure itself. Uh, we set out to do a 290-bike system funded by $1.3 million of, of state and federal funding through the Mass, uh, Massachusetts Department of Transportation, something called CMAC, uh, Congestion and Mitigation and Air Quality uh, Funding. So it's that funding is used for infrastructure projects that would uh, reduce vehicle trips from more uh, from sources that are that produce more contamination, right? So a vehicle trip produces a, a certain amount of contamination. If uh, the thinking is the money is used um, in this way and it saves several uh, vehicle trips and therefore contamination, which carries its own costs to human health, et cetera. So $1.3 million buys all the equipment that we set out to buy for a 290 bike system and the docks and, and the electric connections and all that. Bewegan, as the system operator that, that bid for this contract, they, additional to that, on their, on their dime, have provided the investment for another 210 uh, bicycles. Their thought uh, on that is that eventually they will recuperate uh, that investment, right? But also that the system runs better at a total of 500 bikes than a 290 bicycle system. Any network, there's a, there's a uh, works usually better at a larger scale, right? So the first person to have a fax machine had no one to fax, and if you can only send a fax machine to one person, that really isn't that useful. So the same with phones or the internet. Um, when you have a large uh, scale of users, that makes it more more functional. So with the bike share system, it's it's the same. Uh, we, we had enough money for, for, we were aiming at 290, and they said, no, we, we really need a 500 bike system. Uh, which coincidentally makes it the biggest uh, electric assist uh, uh, bike, uh, 100% bike system in, in, the, in, in the entire country at 500 bikes. So the capital costs themselves are split. It's, it's part public, state, and federal funding, part private funding. The operational costs uh, will be driven uh, by, by membership, partially, but it will also depend on, on private sponsorship. So. Uh, but we're going to secure it already. Some private sponsors, uh, they're still seeking sponsorships. 
people may may know that in, in other cities such as New York is famously City Bike, City with C I T I as in Citibank, they're they're the the title sponsor. Um, and in other cities, it's called different ways. So if, if you have deep enough pockets, you can buy the naming rights for the system. But barring that, uh, you know, other sponsors can sponsor a station or a certain amount of bikes. Um, I alluded to earlier that, that there was one entity that, that was looking into sponsoring uh, the subsidy for the memberships. So the membership would probably have some sort of um, recognition of that, of that uh, sponsor entity. So that's, th- that's how the, the operational costs are, are covered. I did have a question a long time ago. Maybe this is a no-brainer question. I was wondering, like, bikes are probably going to be used a lot in the summer and even in the fall, but what happens when it's winter and nobody is using the bikes? Mm -hmm. Won't you be losing money or, like, what would you do about that? Right, good question. So the system is meant to run... um, in every season but the winter. So uh, we, we would be purposefully uh, storing them. So the bikes themselves and the docks come out during the winter so that they, um, you know, people just, it's, it's much more dangerous to, to, to use it when it's snowing, it's, there's ice out. Um, also the, the, the sidewalks get snowed out, they get plowed, you know, we don't want the, the equipment to be damaged. Um, so it's all it's all taken out out of that that very perception that that it's very unlikely that the system will be used at any scale that is um, that is a complete loss. So yes, in the winter it's taken out. Um, I believe it's um, April through November that the system is active. And also that gives time for proper maintenance and and then getting them ready for the next season. So. It kind of makes sense to to have them to have them that yeah. way. And there's ongoing maintenance as well of the system. But you're, yeah, you're right. If there are any major uh, maintenance issues, then that that could happen in the in the off season, quote unquote. Um, but there's constantly, you know, the estimate is again referring back to the best practices that we know. The estimate is that about um, up to 10% of of your bikes in the system will be under undergoing maintenance at any given time. Of course, when you launch, that's not the case. They're all fine. They're all brand new. Um, but at any given time, you know, some bikes are used more than others. You may have to change a tire, um, a, a, a battery, uh, a GPS isn't working, the software isn't working. Um, you know, any, any of those things. So, so there's a, a constant turnover of bikes and fixing them and putting them back into circulation. This is a really exciting time to see more things coming to the city, happening in the city, for the city. And I want to thank Marcos for having this involvement on making this possible, along with all the people that got involved in this process locally here in the city by the, the Bike Commission and different, different inputs to actually support an idea like this. I feel this is bringing a lot of opportunities for having options of transportation, for having experiences like big cities have, equity on programs that usually are are seen or perceived as only for certain socioeconomical levels in the in the communities. And this is such such a great opportunity for fun and, and recreation. So thank you for, for making this possible and and for having this time to talk with us here in this in this session about everything that is behind the the, uh, the Bali Bike Share Program. 
My pleasure, Johan. If, and if uh, any of, of your listeners have any feedback, uh, further questions, comments, uh, they can contact me either through the holyoke.org uh, uh, webpage for the city or holyokeredevelopment.com. There's also a contact form there. I'd be happy to engage anyone with any additional questions that they may have. Well, Marcos, if there is anything else uh, you want to, to add? Try a bike, uh, get, a, get, a, get a membership, try a bike, it's, it's really fun. <laughs> so all the information about the Bali Bike Share program is available on the website, balibike.org. We will have the link of this website as well in the posting of this story. And also a, a short video kind of showing how you can unlock your, your bike utilizing the key and also the app that is available for your mobile device and a short ride from one station to another so you can see virtually how how smooth it is and how easy is actually going uphill. I was afraid you were going to say a short video of me riding a bike and <laughs> well we can have you <laughs> running together so <laughs> Marcus thank you so much for for being here with us and for sharing all this information about the the Bali bike share program. No problem anytime you This is our conversation with Marcos Marrero and this session of Radio Plasma. And we're talking now about the local perspective about this program. We had a previous one that you can also check on our website, radioplasma.com. With this, we conclude this episode that was recorded in our Plasma Media Lab in the Gandara Youth Development Center in Holyoke, Mass. The system producer and sound engineer for this session is Rosa Maria Smith-Ortiz. I'm your producer and host, Johan Rashivega. Thank you for listening.